about beers it's episode 98 of the cool room we're getting closer and closer to that magic hundredth episode uh we have some hijinks planned for that in fact we've got so many hijinks planned at the moment that i'm not going to bother to tell you about all of them i'm just going to ask you to jump onto our facebook page go to the events section and check out all of the awesome online meet the brewers that we've got coming up Check out the uh, football-related events that we've got coming up. Co-conspirators have signed on to be part of our grand final day, just as a little hint. That's not public yet, but there's a whole lot of other announcements about that. And today we announced that Weinstefan will be joining us again live from Munich for Oktoberfest on October the 7th, which was a fantastic time last year. Uh, I have no doubt it's going to be fantastic again this year. So make sure you don't miss out on that. Make sure you don't miss out on our most recent episodes. So if you're not listening to the podcast, uh, first of all, subscribe. First, then rate and review us. That makes a big difference. And then go back and listen to our last couple of episodes. Uh, the last one was with Deeds, the one before that with Hop Nation. Uh, I think they're some of our best episodes we've done. Uh, they're rating through the roof. People in Romania uh, genuinely can't get enough of it to all of our friends in Romania who listen. I have no idea how you found us or why you like listening to us, but genuinely, it's fantastic that you do. Uh, so please do all of those things. And um, please go over to the Shopify store and buy the tasting packs which add so much to events like this uh, if you don't already have the tasting pack for tonight and in fact all of september go over and grab it you'll enjoy tonight that much more the three beers we're going to be focusing on tonight are uh, the sunny pale ale the kenoth hazy and the rusted on red and um if you don't want to sort of speed drink and we certainly suggest that you don't uh and you're listening to the podcast feel free to pause between each of those beers, we'll make it obvious when we move from one beer to another and you can savour those flavours and make the most of the uh, the awesome insights that we're going to have provided to us tonight by the guys from White Bay. Travis, we've already spent in the, uh, the preamble to the show before we press the record button, what, about three and a half hours talking ceiling windows with you, me and White Bay. Um, mate, no more ceiling window discussion. I know you're obsessed by it. I'm going to get you to introduce the guys from White Bay, and we're going to get on with the sunny pale ale. Uh, thank you, David. Uh, I hope everyone's having a wonderful night. Uh, Dennis and Jess from White Bay, thank you for joining us in the call room tonight. How are we? Very well, thank you. Great, thank you. Amazing to hear. Um, we are going to get on to talking about the Sunny Pale very, very soon. But before we do that, tell us about the brewery. Paint us a bit of a picture. Um, as David mentioned just before, we have listeners all the way in Romania. Um, tell us where you guys are situated and uh, give us a look into the year old brewery. Yeah. Uh, first, can I also just give a shout out to all uh, all the Romanian listeners uh, uh so uh white bay is situated in a hundred year old thereabouts steelworks just on the uh the roselle waterfront so um if anyone is familiar with sydney we're just underneath the anzac bridge um next to the historic white bay power station um the brewery is a Three vessel, 1800 liter premier brew house. And we have about 20 fermenters in our, our cellar at any given time, cranking out brews. Nice. We also have our uh, own Cody canning line. So we're canning all our beers on site as well. Amazing. That, that's awesome. Good stuff. Um, we will get, we'll dive deeper into the story of how White Bay came about very, very soon. Um, 
But let's start talking about the beer, the Sunny Pale Ale. Um, personally, I think it's a cracking beer. It's been in uh, numerous packs that I've received recently, and it's super smashable. Um, tell the listeners out there what uh, what they should be expecting when they're when they're having this beer. What what are the flavor profiles and hops? Um, so Sunny is brewed with um, uh, a large grist bill of uh, uh, raw cereals, which should give it a really nice uh, mouthfeel. And it's exclusively hopped with Australian hops. So we use a combination of Galaxy, Big Secret, and Enigma. Um, I think Sunny can range anything from fresh cut pineapple to very strong passion fruit to uh, kind of a medley of the two, depending on <laughs> how far we are from harvest at that, that particular dry hop. Um, and we're, we're proud to say, um, I mean, the majority of the hops Sunny get is in the form of dry hop. And we hop this beer at 12 grams a liter over two individual dry hops. Um, yeah, awesome. And on top of that, it's, it's unfiltered. We ferment it with London 3, so you do get a lot of awesome yeast character to it as well. Um, I know we, we mentioned we have a lot of tanks in our brewery, but the, the big reason we do that is um, Sunny spends a minimum of 28 days in tank prior to packaging, which is at least double <laughs> what any other pale ale in the market is. Um, and a lot of that is kind of our ethos behind what we think makes good ale, which is conditioning time, Natural settling time, no filtration. Yeah. Is is Sunny your biggest seller? Um, out of our, our core range, so out of Sunny and Union, yes. Um, however, you know, we release a new new beer weekly. Um, so I'd I'd say probably as a volume total, our limiteds outpace Sunny, but um, you know, I think yeah, on the whole. Um, Sunny is a popular beer. Yeah. So what was? No, you go, David. It's. Oh, I was just going to ask. I mean, that's for for core range beers. That's quite a quite an effort you're putting into in terms of the hopping regime and in terms of the time in tank. Um, it's not that wouldn't be automatically what you'd do on paper if you were setting up a brewery and saying, you know, how do we make the core range beers and turn them over and get them out and make the dollars to to fund the rest of the operation. Yeah, no, I regret the decision daily. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you end up with two stubborn brewers, not only one. <laughs> um, uh, like, I mean, Jess and I have both worked in a, a heap of different breweries and I think made, made pale ale just about every way you can do it. Um, and I mean, Sonny's near and dear to us because of the process. And I mean, I, I do think Generally, the more a brewer sweats, the better a beer tastes. Uh, so, yeah. So, so uh, you just mentioned you've brewed in other places and you've brewed some some more pales. What was the inspiration? Were there other pale ales across Australia that you took inspiration from with this one? Uh, Sunny is, I mean, there's definitely some stone and wood uh, influence there, but um, well, that's a touchy would, subject today. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we were doing our level best to go nowhere near that one tonight. And you've, uh... But I think by and large, like the biggest influence for Sunny came from a beer we had uh, when we were traveling the States in, uh, in a brewery called Triple Crossing in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, and it was a pale ale. Well, they call it, it's, they call it a blonde ale, hoppy blonde ale in the States. Um, but it's called Banner. And it was 100% Galaxy just... 5% hazy crusher. I think Jess and I were in that tap room for like eight hours <laughs> drinking banner. Um, so yeah, I, it's, we, we squeezed as much information as we could out of the staff there as to how they made it. <laughs> and then this is sort of our, our best effort at doing a rendition of our own. Um, you, you guys have an interesting backdrop in the zoom room tonight, which doesn't bode well for a podcast, but um, those tanks in the background, that's an impressive setup. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we, we have uh, now four different tank sizes ranging from 1800 liters to 7,200. Um, and again, like our, 
our business partners hate when I say it, but I love saying it that I think we probably have Sydney's most inefficient brewery. <laughs> <laughs> we can beat that out. Yeah. Um, it's like I said, we just, we run long tank times on all of our beer. You know, our, our ale programs, a minimum 28 days in tank and lagers it's, it's minimum 35. Most of the time unions pushing, you know, 48. Um, which that's, that's a really interesting thing that we probably don't sort of delve too much on when we've done other episodes, the, the tank time of your beers, did you make conscious decisions on that from your other brewery experience? Yeah. Cause yeah. 20, 28 days for a pale ale. That's, it's a decent amount of time in a tank. Yeah. It doesn't bode well on a profit and loss report. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, and, like, like I said, Sonny gets, I don't, I don't think Sonny necessarily comes across as a hoppy beer or I hope, hope it doesn't. Um, and you know, if you taste Sonny at 14 days, it is incredibly hoppy just due to the, the sheer amount of hopping we, we give it, but that added conditioning time, I think really allows for, um, the, the flavors to settle and integrate with each other and yeah, sort of, sort of I'm, create I'm- a. We, we're, I'm gonna, we're gonna have a chat about another one of your pale owls um, shortly. I'm interested. You guys are drinking this tonight out of the can or out of the tank? Out of the can. can. Out of the can. So Warren and David, let's get a bit of a mixture because I feel like every time I have this beer, I get something different out of it. Like tonight, given it's I've had a, the lager before this, I get that sort of that fruitiness and that passion fruit side of things coming through really heavy but i feel like when i've had it later in an evening after numerous other beers i might not get that same aspect so why don't we start with you david what what are you getting from this well i've done exactly what you've done which is to have the the lager pre-show yeah. and i guess for exactly what the reasons you just described there yep for, for me it's all of those things um for people who know pineapple sage or fruit uh, salad sage which for no apparent reason I was around one of those plants this afternoon. It's got those sort of things, really nice and juicy early spring kind of scents and flavours. Um, it's drinking beautifully. I mean, does the does the length of time it has in the in the tank? And I ask this with genuine lack of knowledge. Affect how quickly you think it should be drunk once it's released and out in the wild, or does it just sort of? Does the process end as soon as the beer goes into the can? Does it not sort of degrade notably from that point? Uh, well, hopefully the only thing, I mean, time will always is, is sorry, start again. I mean, hoppy beers never age gracefully. So, um, you know, the moment it's canned, the clock does start to tick. Um, I will say, you know, that added time and tank generally helps dissolved oxygen. That's where um, I was sort of wondering, yeah. Yeah, and mm. certainly since we don't filter it, like we do have the the yeast component there to <laughs> help mitigate any any residual O2 that might be in the tank. Um, but I mean, we, you know, COVID kicked off and this, sorry, this most recent round of COVID. And prior to that, I mean, we were flat out. So, you know, we've, Sunny has slowed down a bit and, what was that last tank we packed? It was close to 50 days yeah. in tank. And that was beautiful beer. <laughs> like it was really good. Um, so I don't think the, the conditioning time um, negatively affects the beer anyways. Um, but yeah, once, once it's in package, the clock certainly starts to starts there. Um, how about you, Warren? What are you getting from this? Um, I had the, I had Sunny before I jumped on. Uh, so I'm kind of, yeah, I, and I've had the union before and I really love it, but, um, yeah, I, I now went after David said pineapple sage that really came through, like it's not a full car tropical, there's a herbaceousness there. And I think, um, that's really interesting. Um, Muggs asked a good question, which you also answered in the chat. Um, Muggs wondered if that long conditioning reduced hop burn. Um, yeah. Would you like, would you guys like to answer that, that little query? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that the biggest component of hop burn is just residual hop material that's left in the beer. So that long settling time just allows for that hop material to settle out. Yeah. Nice. Um, how do you guys, I mean, obviously you mentioned the COVID thing and 
you know, everything's a bit different these days. Um, when the, do you find this is different off tap as it in, in a can? Is there much difference you get through that? Um, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> we try really hard not to. Um, I mean, I think the the biggest challenge we face and, um, I hope we're not the only brewers to do it, but we generally tend to get a bit better foam and lacing out of a off tap. And it's a, a, it's a yep. constant struggle of ours. You know, Jess and I are obsessed with foam. Um, and yeah, it's something we always beat our heads against the wall with. And really we don't like to change or mess around with our beers too much, but, um, you know, making a decision in process or, or what raw materials we're going to use to promote foam is something that we, we do play around with a lot. Um, but yeah. Uh, how, how has this changed from the time the first brew happened to now? Has it shifted much? Have you changed much of the recipe or anything? The first sunny we brewed was like really enigma heavy yeah. and galaxy and Vic secret sort of played a result, uh, supporting role to that. Um, but enigma is like on its own, just this, it's, it's a really powerful dominating hop. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to, to sort of dial Jess and I love that one. Um, but just to dial it back and make it a bit more approachable, um, uh, today's sunny is roughly, you know, 20% Enigma, 40% Galaxy, 40% Big Secret. We haven't necessarily tweaked ingredients too much, but we definitely have, I think, fine-tuned how our yeast uh, affects the beer and our yeast health and the interaction. Uh, I think that's been a pretty major part in what we feel is um, only, not only created the stable haze, but also producing consistent flavor profile. Yeah. Yeah, we, nice. We experimented early on, actually, at fermenting our ales <laughs> under pressure, um, <laughs> which was a, a nightmare. Um, I'm getting the feeling of that. We always ask our traditional cool room question of what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you in a brewery? Perhaps that's – is that sort of one that we might keep for that? Is there a good explosion story really? there? Uh, not explosion, <laughs> but just, like, sleepless nights and I mean, <laughs> the amount of – times like because we jess and i only just bought a car a few months ago but we live about a kilometer up the hill from the brewery so the like the amount of mornings where i i'd wake up like at 1 a.m just freaking out go down to the brewery um to find that luckily the tank hadn't exploded um <laughs> and then not be able to sleep the rest of the night so that our first sort of four months i think were our most trying months yeah. Sounds like having a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or owning a pub with a really leaky roof. Like I used to get up in the night and travel from Flemington to West Melbourne to make sure that the roof hadn't collapsed. Like absolutely, literally, without a word of a lie. I couldn't sleep until I'd gone and done it and come back yeah. home. Yeah. yeah. Um, so is there? Hold on. There, is there a pressure valve? There's not a pressure valve on the on the. I mean, I'm. I just assume. Yeah, there'd be like a little valve, which, which you know, if it reach a certain pressure, it'd blow some of that off. Um, so we were. It's it's a process called spunding, but you can. Um, there's manufactured valves that you can set to basically release pressure once it hits a certain um, bar or psi. Mm. Um, but which works great for lager, but when you use it with a top cropping ale yeast, um, it just gets clogged with yeast immediately and right, yep. ineffective. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um, you guys have another pale ale in your lineup, the Crusher, which comes in at 3.5%. Um, which is more popular, the Sunny or the Crusher? There's like the, the, There's a lot of breweries that are sort of experimenting with that lower percentage at the moment. How's that sort of work for you guys? Um, yeah, I mean, we've we've brewed a few renditions of Crusher. So it was originally came out under a name called Listless Drift, um, which came across as uh, too much of a <laughs> tongue tire. Um, I was going to ask Dave, but little hammers in the room this later on, you know, about you know sort of questions about you know how the marketing and numbers work. Um, We'll ask him later on about how the name Listless Drift was, you know, how well, what the numbers on that were like. Um, but yeah, I mean, Crusher, Crusher does actually surprisingly well. 
like, um, you know, I think a, a benchmark mid strength for me has always been pirate life throwback, but, um, <laughs> you know, every brewer makes a mid strength, not every brewer brews a mid strength very often. Yeah. Um, so I'm, yeah, it's, it's kind of exciting to see that, you know, we we're onto our sixth tank of crusher. <laughs> um, awesome. so it's, yeah. Um, hopefully that momentum continues. It's, um, just to show that we've done our research, your website says that uh, the Crusher has been double dry hopped with our favorite New World German grown hops. Tell us a bit about that. Um, yeah. Um, we like routinely try to move out of the, the big hype hops that dominate the, the hoppy beer market at the moment. So um, any of the hops that are in sunny, let's, let's forget that beer. For the, <laughs> but, uh, um, but the, you know, the citras and mosaics and brew ones and all that, like we still like brewing with them, but certainly don't mind dabbling in, in other flavors. So in the last few years, Germany's like made leaps and bounds on creating some awesome, awesome hops. So, um, Crusher, features predominantly Huel Melon and Ariana. Um, and yeah, I think that beer gives off sort of this, this awesome stone fruity, lemon pithy, um, sometimes black tea, just yeah, cool, cool, unique flavor that works really well with our yeast. Just yeah, as little nice. non, just as little non sector. Um, yeah, it kind of describes how how much research we've done. That Travis uses the the example of looking at your webpage as, <laughs> as the extent of our of our research that we've done on you. That's, I've I've never even seen our webpage. So. <laughs> awesome, you guys are perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know you, we sell, you sell a lot of t-shirts if your webpage is anything to go by, which we admire here at the Cool Room. We're a t-shirt obsessed organisation. It's great to hear. Yeah. There you go. Um, we are gonna we're gonna move on to the the hazy the Kenneth hazy very very soon, which Warren's gonna uh, take us on a journey with when he's finished his dinner. Um, we've also got the Union Lager in the pack uh, that we've we've given out to our listeners at the moment. Um, how's how's that been received? I mean, you know, in relation to the Sunny, how's how's your Union gone? Union's been a, a tough one. Like we certainly have a lot of good Union diehards, but it's um, you know you you certainly appreciate every inch you get in, in the game of lager. Um, when we, um, when we were first brewing union, um, Jess and I appreciated it being a bit more cloudy, a bit more <laughs> Keller beer esque, uh, which floated like a lead balloon with our locals. <laughs> um, so yeah, union's gone through a, a few different renditions. I think we, as far as all of the beers in our, our canon between Sun and Union, that is, um, <laughs> we, we mess around with Union the most. Um, yeah, and it's, it's going well. Like, Union's not going anywhere. But, yeah, Lager's, I think Lager's a long game. It's funny, we, we have a lot of brewers on, and we often sort of say that um, – the, the lagers are the brewer's beers. They're the ones that they like drinking. They're the ones they like showing to other brewers and sort of tasting other brewers' versions because you can't really hide anywhere on it, can you? It's a, If you're getting it right, it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a completely process-driven beer. And if you step up or, you know, stuff up anywhere in the process, it tends to show. Do you, do you find that when you get non-craft beer drinkers coming in, the lager is the one you lean them towards or is it the sunny that you lean them towards? Yeah, kind of both. I don't know. It's, it's do you drink pale or, or lager? Um, surprisingly enough, like we have um, one of the big one-liter crowler takeaway can machines 
Yep. And um, yeah, like out of all of our beers that we were offering on takeaway, which includes all of our limiteds, like we sold more union than any other, any other beer. Um, so I think that the locals are definitely stoked on union. I think the thing with union is because we've made it quite European style. Um, people kind of crave maybe a little bit more of a crispness, uh, you know, a bit more of a dry Australian style lager. And so I think um, depending if they're really after that, sometimes they don't love the union because it's a little bit sweeter and shows more yeast character and malt character. So then, but then sometimes I'll drink sunny, you know, so kind of each, each individual. I feel like 12 months ago when we started doing these online meet the brewer sessions, we had discussions about whether lagers were going to make a comeback. And it seems now 12 months down the track, um, they, they very much have made a comeback. Like I, th I think three out of the, or maybe even four out of the last five breweries we've had on, on a Thursday night have had a lager in their range, which is, which is quite amazing considering, you know, 12 months ago we were talking about if it was actually going to, work out everyone's doing a lager now which it, it, it's so good to see like your lagers bang on it's um it's the beer i started with tonight i think most people may have done the the same thing so um it's good to see we are gonna move on to the ken oath hazy ipa which i think is a brilliant name um so for those in the zoom room make sure you've got uh, got that ready to go well, Mr. Warren, Warren Wu, who is in the room tonight with us, is going to lead the way on this one. Um, Warren, over to you. <laughs> um, so, guys, let's let's start with a broad-ranging question. What what should we expect from Kenoth? It's the first of the limiteds we're going to look at tonight. So, yeah, what 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 should people be seeing as they're drinking drinking this hazy? Kenoth uh, should be hopefully incredibly hazy. Um, hopefully you can't see your fingerprint through, <laughs> through the glass. Um, Knoth should present really strong um, fruit forward aromas and flavors. We get a lot of stone fruit. So apricot, nectarine, bit of peach mm. in there. Yeah. Yep. Um, and flavor should follow the aroma. Um, so so when it comes to when it comes to hazies, we we've had that discussion just then about um, that lager and and uh, the your union lager and the pale ale kind of being those long um, kind of more settled, really refined styles of, of of beers. When it comes to kind of a, a hazy which most of us consider not necessarily rough and ready but it's the it's a certain style where it's really forward and up front how does that fit within you guys do you is is it something you really enjoy making is it something that that's that's driven by you guys or the market uh I, we love making hazy hazy beers um softer i guess less less bitter beers um and I mean, like I said, our, our house ale yeast is London three, which doesn't make the best bitter beers in my opinion anyways. So, mm. um, yeah, it, it kind of works, works in our favor there as well. Uh, the point of difference that people may or may not see in some of our hazy IPAs is that we kind of lean on the drier side of, um, residual sugar left in the beer. Um, mm -hmm. that's sort of a, personal preference but also we really wanted to produce beers that were you were able to drink you know a couple of responsibly of course mm -hmm. uh, you know we kind of we're in a local area that's hugely community-based and they're very supportive and we wanted to make sure that we're creating beers that people have you know can go home drink a four pack like drink a four pack of and they're not sort of too sweet or too too out there so sort of have a crushability that we like to hit with um, a lot of our beers. So, yep. yeah. Cool. Um, going, going back to the limited releases discussion. Uh, so what, what's your inspiration when it comes to your limited, like doing one a week would be, be pretty demanding, I'm assuming. So, so yeah, where, where do you normally get your inspiration? What comes first, the idea or, or are you just, or, or are you compelled to make something different every time what yeah where where does that come from 
Uh, it's, um, I, it, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you, you, and the answer could be just like whatever we we it's just whatever we decide to to yeah, brew, which is also really cool. But yeah, we, we just keep it rotating. Like we still, I mean, try to keep a production schedule that's that's four weeks out, um, so we know what's coming up. But I mean, a lot of it is um, hitting up suppliers and asking what weird and wonderful hops do you have, and sort of building it off of that. And cool. Are we going to feature a specific hop or a hop combination? Um, and we doing these limited beers and sort of changing things up on every single brew is also really beneficial for our core range because we learn a lot as we're brewing it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's certainly helped us refocus the direction we want to take sunny and crusher, uh, especially. Yeah. I think with like dark beers and sours and other little things, it's quite often inspired by things we've eaten or times that we've shared or a memory. Uh, we kind of find inspiration from those um, to do the kind of cooler little weird things. Yep. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. In terms of those cool little weird things, have you had any favorites? Like what are the limiteds that which have, have kind of stuck out and you've gone, oh yeah, we've got to try that. We've got to, we've got to do that again. Is there anything that's really popped out like that? I like making like stouts with nuts. Um, <laughs> so we've, we've rebrewed our hazelnut stout um, twice now. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a, a banana and walnut imperial stout coming out next week. Um, yeah, like it's, it's a massive, massive labor <laughs> um, to, to brew with nuts, but I just love the beers that they make. What, how how do you how how do you brew with nuts? How, <laughs> what's what's the process like? For, for, it's yeah. just it's you you ferment your generally your imperial stout as normal, and then mm. uh, we'll we'll transfer it into a tank that we've filled with nuts, and then it will just sit in condition on on the nuts for. Um, several weeks. We essentially have to put about 60 kilos of nuts into the, you know, the bags, and then we put them in the a tank, then put the beer on top of them. So wow, it's always wow. messy. <laughs> yeah, how, like yeah, I'm I'm sure that's a joy to dig out after the. It's great. After, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, I've just got yeah. I've, one of the questions which has popped up is, um, have you have you guys gone the route of the single hopped beer? Is that something? Yeah, when you when you talk to your suppliers and they go, oh, we've got this. Is that is that something that really interests you? Is that something that you guys find is is a is a project that you guys could get your head around? I, I'm sure we'll eventually do one. Um, I don't think it would be probably as as cool or rewarding as it might sound maybe because we we if we did a single hop beer it'd be with a hop that we understand like inside and out so it'd be like a single hop galaxy <laughs> which i don't know would be much better than any of the other beers we make with galaxy mm. um yeah I, i'll never say never but um yeah, yeah. I, we we really like blending hops yeah that's cool. That's really cool. Um, what's on the radar coming up? Have you got a scoop for us? What what if what are you plan or or even further out, like not even on your, your four week schedule? What have you got something that you're dying to make that's a little bit on the horizon and you you guys don't you guys haven't quite got there yet? Um <laughs> We're making a cold IPA. Yeah. Oh, you're doing Ooh. a cold IPA. Oh, the controversy. There yeah, it is. I there's, don't know if we're, we're late to the guys. party or on time for that one. Um, but joining the ranks there. Um, I think. I, you know, hold on. Just just on that point, when you say joining the ranks, um, like we we've we speak about it a little bit on the podcast, but to tell you the truth, I haven't seen one. I don't know if the rest of our audience has seen one, but I haven't seen. So, who, who, whose ranks are you joining? Is it is it a whole bunch of brewers just on on like on on WhatsApp chats, kind of going, "Oh, we did a we did a cold IPA." 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it's probably just a lot of our, our friends, other brewers. Um, yeah, I, that being, you know, mountain culture in one drop. Uh, <laughs> we did do a Nouveau Lager la, last year, I think it was, uh, which was similar in some ways, but we fermented it cold. So kind of, it'll be interesting to see the idea of cold IPA and the, if it's really similar or if it's a bit different. Oh, there you go. I love I, it. I, I really like how Warren said that he hadn't really heard of many, and then everyone in the Zoom chat started yeah, it's to just drop the whole bunch. Look how long room. that list is. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we're now pushing on about six or seven. So, well, <laughs> I haven't had a mountain culture in ages. I haven't had fixation in ages. I don't know, one drop in ages. This week, Warren, to back Warren up, this week is the first week that I've been offered in trade. You know, someone has emailed me to say, we've got one. Would you like to buy it? And that was the Blackmans. Oh, the there you go. It, it indicates that not everyone emails me, I guess. But it's just interesting that that was like genuinely the first yeah. time that someone said, cold IPA, do you want it? Which kind of brings us to another question, given that we we're all sort of sitting around that same thing. Could I ask uh, it? De- Dennis and Jess, do you feel like it's, re- it's going to take off? I, um, I, I, like, I don't want to sound... Um, negative or anything i don't really care <laughs> yeah i love that i love that great answer um so so max is max has asked a question and i'll ask it too oh no i'll try to answer it and you guys tell me if i've got this right because it will help me clarify it in my head so a cold ipa is a ale that is where where it's brewed with a top like a top of the tank yeast but done in a way where it's a cold fermentation. Is that? No? So it's an IPL. Well, here's here's the catch because it threw me off as well. So an IPL is, it's it's a lager, so it's it's fermented cold, but mm-hmm. pops like an IPA. Okay. But a cold IPA is an IPA brewed with lager yeast, but fermented warm. So it's just like a hoppy steam ale. <laughs> <laughs> No wonder you don't care. Like, uh, like, I wouldn't give a shit either. Well, I mean, it's it's in 2021. No idea is original anymore. We're just sort of um, expanding upon things that have already been done. Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's brilliant. I'm glad that's I'm glad that's cleared up completely for us. Can I jump in with a question as well, just before we move on to this? Uh, move on and maybe have a little break. Um, this can and the can design I love. It reminds me of the floor tiles that I inherited uh, from the Maltese family who had this house before me. Uh, genuinely, I love the colours and so forth in it. Do you guys talk a little bit about can design with us, if you would? We, we're quite obsessed with that here in the cool room. Do you guys have much of a say in the can design? Uh, how do you sort of make sure that each of the limiteds that comes out has something that's sort of applicable to what's in the can? Um, yeah, un- unfortunately, he's not joining us tonight, but um, we'll have to give credit to this to uh, our design guy, Phil, um, who's actually uh, a local in Melbourne. Um, so before he started doing work with us, he, he was at Stomping Ground for about four years doing yeah, right. all of their design work. Um and yeah, like when we settled on Canoth, I just said like Phil, it just has to be Ocker. Like, <laughs> it's sure. beautiful. I love this. <laughs> it's it's like there's a bar there's a bar in London called Trailer Happiness. It's a tiki bar, and I think it's the same as the wallpaper in the men's room. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's 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 just got that beautiful seventies vibe, and it's. I- yeah. My parents used to have a couch, I swear, that had the same. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a, um, a kind of plasticky safari suit that I wear to the Cox Plate every year, uh, <laughs> which is essentially these colours. And I have it has a beige 1983 re-elect Bob Hawke badge that I always wear with it. Just, you know. I, I, I want to do an episode of the podcast close to Cox Plate because you're not going to be able to go this year because we're in lockdown where David wears that suit. <laughs> No, no, you don't. <laughs> okay, moving on. 
I'm going to ask the question. It's the one, it's our traditional question. Everyone cops it. So the question is, what is the strangest, weirdest, amusing, most controversial thing you've seen in a cool room? And the definition of cool room is extremely broad. Uh, can be a cool room. That's great. Can be a dining room floor. It can be a, <laughs> it can be, oh, yeah, we've just seen the re-elect Bob Hawke badge. Well done, David. Um, yeah, it can be, it can be, yeah, any any hospitality-esque or beer manufacturing venue. How's that for you guys? You would have a good one, surely. I don't know. No, you've got me stuck on this one. Um, we used to quite often have unshucked oysters in our cool, cool room at Pirate Life. <laughs> if it was oyster season. Come on. Boy. I've seen um, four pallets of Dale's Pale Ale crumble to the ground after someone clipped the, the bottom case. <laughs> With a forklift. Uh, dodgy uh, forklift drivers, man. Yes. Yeah, and it was literally like a, a the biggest beer avalanche you could ever see. Um, That's a lot of beer, just for people who don't, you know. Yeah, it was like 800 cases of beer. Um yeah. Is, this, is there CCTV footage of that? I feel like that's one of those things that pops up on your Facebook profile in one of those videos and stuff. <laughs> That'd be cool to see, yeah. Uh, oh, no. Max has a very relevant question. Were they cans or bottles? They were cans. Mm. Oof. Yes. That'd be... Ooh. I have the nice. visualization going through my head right now. Yeah. Um, on that note, we could probably do with a, a small break uh, before our final beer. So for those guys playing at home, the Rusted on Red IPA is our final beer. But yeah, we'll we'll take a small break and we'll um and we'll see you on the other end. Well, here we are back in the cool room. We're with Dennis and Jess from White Bay. We've been having a few of their lovely beers and we're about to move on to the Rusted On Red IPA. So hopefully everyone has that. I'm just going to pour that. You might be able to hear the delicious sound of beer being poured in the background. Um, do you guys just want to kick off with just a little bit of a sort of, you know, imagine we're doing a live tasting. Um, how would you describe how it looks in the glass? How would you describe how it smells and you know, give us that sort of experience if you were standing around in a room full of people uh, talking Rast about this beer. Rastodon is a uh, lovely kind of rusted hue. Uh, it's not super, super dark red. Uh, it's got a lovely bright kind of, yeah, reddish rusted tone um, and a good good amount of foam on it, uh, my glass at least. Mm. Um, this beer is, we feel like it's, kind of the coolest beer we've done where the image of the the actual appearance of the beer relates so well to the aroma and the flavor we get a lot of like fresh berries um sort of orange kind of sorbet uh sort of just delicious cherry notes on it um and so that's due down to like a really cool hop combination that we chose and also some pretty fun malts uh that we decided to brew with uh, so this beer we we really wanted to harmonize that idea of hops and malt working like really, really cohesively where one didn't kind of outshine the other. So we hope it's really nice, well-balanced deliciousness. Can you talk us through a little bit of that? You know, what's the process? You know, do you, do you just know that these will work together? Did you do a test batch for, for those of us that are home brewers? How, how do you make a beer that fits together as well as you've just described? So we actually brewed this, a different version, a slightly different version of this beer last year. Uh, and we used a slightly different yeast strain uh, and different hop combination. But we found that we really, really enjoyed using this sort of more malt driven beer with a particular hop called Lotus. Um, and we really, 
which can throw off this beautiful orange blossom or vanilla sorbet kind of flavor. And so we wanted to definitely use that again and showcase that hop again uh, in this beer. And this time we also just chose a really yeast neutral, like Californian ale yeast. So we didn't get any extra kind of um, flavor from that. Uh, and then honestly, it's just Dennis, <laughs> Dennis is a magician with hops. <laughs> And we actually, we put a bunch of... didn't even crack a smile out of him then. I would have thought, you know, that, that's pretty high praise. We, yeah, I was like, uh, we use a bunch of kind of less well-known hops in this. So just, just for anyone that might be interested, we use Lotus, Sultana, Calypso, Lemon Drop, and then good old Mosaic. So this, I, I mean, I'm sure he knows what it's going to taste like, but, but for me, I was really, really interested to understand how these hops are going to work we know that they're not as like big bold kind of as the american and the aussie typical hops will throw off but we just thought the flavor in the glass was hopefully going to basically represent what it does which is just a really well-rounded no no high no kind of overtone of anything just just balance basically lemon drop is one of those hops for me that i, I almost never pick and then when somebody says it, I go, oh, yeah, that's I can totally see where that is in that flavor. It's uh, it's quite. It's the king of hops, you know, <laughs> lemon drop and El Dorado. They yeah. just get overlooked so often, but they're they're the best. And, and Lotus I've not heard about before. So, I mean, you know, you don't have to divulge all your trade secrets, but where do you get these sort of hops from? Are they sort of Australian, New Zealand grown or? I've got a guy if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> does, does, does this involve me, you know, somehow managing to cross the border to New South Wales and, you know, I think Nettie Smith was declared dead this morning, wasn't he? So there must be a little gap over there in the, in the you know, gangster world. Just put him on a truck. There's um, a, a few big players in the in the hop world. Um, this is this is talking on the the agricultural side. Um, one of them being Hopsteiner, which you don't see a lot of Hopsteiner hops out here. Well, you do, but um, Hopsteiner has like a really cool hop breeding program. Um, you know, I think probably their most famous hop to come out of that is Amarillo. Um, but yeah, they have just a ton of cool, kind of hard to get hops. And we, we just bought an allocation of Lotus on a whim. Um, yeah, reading, reading about the tasting notes online mm -hmm. and it, it turned out to be pretty good. I, I so that's, that's almost one of the questions I was going to ask. You've, you've contextualized it in a different way, but like, you've explained you've bought the hops when they arrive were they what you thought they were going to be and did you use them in the beer that you thought or did you go oh no hang on i need to use this for something else that sort of process question about when you actually encounter the real thing so we we like previously just used lotus to brew uh, an ipa called jettison um which was a um it was a mosaic yeah it was and a heavy mosaic lotus blend because if you get that blueberry mosaic with that orange blossom, we yeah, it was gold. Yeah. Um, so lush. I can see that. Yeah. And so, and you know, especially with the IPAs, it's, it's a bit easier to experiment when you're blending it with a hop, you know, works well. Um, so once we sort of got our, fe our feel for it in that application, we were confident enough to say, let's try this in a red. Um, it doesn't always work out well. Like we definitely have a few boxes of hops in our cool room. We're like, I don't know what we're going <laughs> to do that. Um, How long do they last? Again, for, you know, for the novice sort of home brewer person who has never run a brewery, like how long do you reckon you can hang on to them for? I think for, for dry hop application, like we want to try to get them in, you know, in a year or under a year, basically before the next year crop year comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, after that, we certainly have use for them in bittering application or, you know, boil addition where, you know, you're just using it for the alpha acid and not necessarily for the flavor. Um, so if you're a crafty cook, you can find a way to use them. But yeah, you, you definitely want to try to get rid of them as quickly as possible. 
Well, I've got to say, look, I particularly love this beer. David uh, Lamb, who was on the call tonight, you know, he'd been pushing us to get you guys on the podcast. We had this as one of our blind tasting beers. And if you've not been part of our blind tasting sessions, we really encourage you, uh, you all, if you listen to the podcast, to come and join us on a Sunday afternoon where we just have a whole lot of beers foiled up. And um, that's how we first encountered this beer uh, in the cool room. And um, I don't think anyone would have picked it as being a 7.9% beer, aside from anything else. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what that kind of alcohol, you know, was that intentional to hit that kind of point with this style of beer or, you know, and, and what does that sort of alcohol level mean you can do with a beer? Um, I think at 7.9%, it's more of a conversation of what you can't do after <laughs> drinking this beer. Uh, <laughs> It's always uh, the last beer. And it's always no, no, no one operates heavy machinery after listening to the cool room. Um, uh, like I don't know. Like I was, I was the head brewer at Modus for you know going on three years and uh, worked there for four. And you know we brewed a lot of former tenant, so got pretty used to making red IPA. Um, so I think it was, it was crucial that if we were going to make a red IPA, we need to sort of plant our own flag, um, differentiating ourselves from former tenant. Um, yep. yeah, yeah. uh, was, yeah, I, I can't really say that there was a, a much bigger intention for this beer outside of that, other than we need to brew a red IPA and it can't taste like former mm -hmm. tenant. And I think the alcohol obviously does give a body, but I, I mean, yeah, I think just going back to that longer tank time, um, I do feel like sometimes this beer feels more integrated because we've given it that kind of 28 day tank time. Uh, uh, there was definitely times where we were a bit, you know, a little bit worried if I'm going to be honest, because it grew so beautifully at the end. Um, yeah, it was, it's really good. You know, how do you get followers to go, yeah, I know White Bay, I know what they do, I want to try this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think for us, at least with competition with other brewers, um, it's, it's trying to also stay humble about it. <laughs> um, yeah. If I could say as a production brewer, that's worked at a few breweries. I definitely think it's like people like Dennis or others that I've worked with that really understand and they have a very distinct and very driven formulation on how they do things. And I do think that that carries over and, I mean, yeah, just we're obsessed with quality too. And I hope that that resonates with beer because it's something that we just never, ever, ever, ever painfully <laughs> question. <laughs> so, you know, I think there's, I naturally, I, I do just think breweries gain identification through the people genuinely making their beer. And for anyone who might, who doesn't know, like Jess and I are partners as well. <laughs> yeah. So um it's it's great that we can fight about a beer in the brewery and then go home and fight about it some more i that See, was I the question i wanted to ask that yeah. that's that's the one i was interested in what's the biggest argument you guys brewing argument you guys have had i want to know yeah what's the one which or the one that keeps on coming up like i'm gonna treat you like a couple there's an argument that keeps on coming up what is it he's not very good at record keeping and I'm a production person. So Dennis is the creative. He does all of the recipes and I'm the one trying to, you know, keep us consistent and write everything down because I feel like one day we're going to need it. And I, I, you know, I need to be know everything to be in order. Okay. No, that, that doesn't quite hit it. That's the, oh, that's the making up for people for, for each other's weaknesses and strengths. And that's, that's cool. Like that's cool. No, I want to know the one where, where you guys, so you guys actually have a gripe, like where you've actually had a gripe. Like what's one thing where, where you just go, why did you do that? Why? Like, I don't understand. Is there, is there one or are you guys just awesome? Um, I mean, we, we do just have like random blues over <laughs> stupid things, but it's like, it's, it's like I'm trying to think of the, the most recent one. It's always like, it kind of always comes back to arbitrary, that. Yeah. like small detail stuff. Cause we're also like both OCD. So it's like, why did you mark the date on that keg color <laughs> like that? You know? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Nothing too serious. 
do, no. do, do, do you, well, I'm going to ask this, I was about to ask a question, I'm going to ask it a different way. Can you tell the audience, Jess, what do you reckon is Dennis's favourite beer style and favourite beer that isn't one of yours, as in not a white bay beer? And Dennis, same question to you about Jess. Can you, you know, what, what beer does she love that isn't one of yours? <laughs> and, um, you know, hopefully this doesn't cause some sort of rift that, you know. Definitely Dennis's is lager. And I think he either goes for the classic Pilsner Urquell or it's very much cause banquet because then we, you know, we travelled the States for three months before we got involved in this. And we did do a lot of sitting in the mountains drinking cause banquet. It's pretty exceptional, but I definitely think lager is actually his favourite drinking beer. I, you reckon that's right before you give you know an assessment of Jess's favourite one? Do I? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, those are those are definitely the top two in my list of three. Uh, I think Jess would be the same. Like, surely hers would be. Pilsner Urkel or Chenevar, yeah. like, yeah, just, just lager. Oh, you, you guys were absolutely made for each other. Is there, is there a beer that one of you wants to brew again that the other one just goes, no, that makes no sense whatsoever. Let's not go down that road. Constantly. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, Mainly sours. I think this is the handling of the fruit and. I don't know, coming up with ideas. I think that is the one thing. Jess wants to make sour. I don't mind sours. I don't. Yeah. And um, we obviously, we can see behind you there, but we don't know what's next door. Is there sort of like a barrel aging sort of, yeah, is there like a panel beaters next door that Jess could take over and just turn into a barrel aged sour space? Sadly not. Maybe one day. One day. We do have a huge building, so maybe. If it if it ever becomes profitable to <laughs> make your pale ale in 28 days, we'll... Uh... <laughs> now, we've got a few audience questions here. And um, Robin, I, I'm got so many people in the call room, I can't see them all. But Robin, would you like to unmute yourself and ask your question, which is very much a locals question, and that's fantastic. Um, are you in the room and can you ask the question? Sure. Um, yeah, on the recommendation on Facebook, I popped next door to the little marionette, the coffee roasters, and I picked up some beers for tonight. And um, it was great coffee. I was wondering, um, coffee is a challenging ingredient to brew with, um, trying to capture all the volatile flavours. What approaches do you use when you're brewing with coffee and um, have you got any plans for, for the coffee-flavoured beers? Coffee is pretty much one of my favourite things other than beer. Um, we've actually done three collaboration beers with Little Marionette um, and we're very, very fortunate that they take coffee like as seriously uh, as we take beer. And so it's been a really enjoyable process where we taste the beer as it's um, progressing and then they also will come over with different types of coffee, i.e. filter or espresso, different roasts, single O. Uh, and so it become, it's become this really collaborative uh, ideal for both of us. Uh, you are right that the oils and volatiles can definitely uh, be interesting at times. We found that the few beers we've done have all been with cold brew. Um, and then sometimes we've had, had to add like vanilla or a different adjunct just to try to balance that out. Um, but yeah, I love coffee and I love beer. So making coffee beers is pretty much one of my favourite things to do and working alongside such passionate people. So I'd love to try to do a kind of coffee colch. I just haven't worked out. We haven't worked out how not to impart colour. So Ooh. That sounds great. Thank you. It sounds absolutely amazing, I've got to say. Um, we can't couldn't wait to taste that one. Uh, Graham, you've got a good question. Uh, you're unmuted already. Far away, my good friend. Uh, thanks, David. And thank you, Jess and Dennis. Um, I, I was just curious because, you know, doing a bit of beer research and checking out the website. And I was just curious as to why you don't pop up more information on your hops and malts on the website, because it's a little bit um, cryptic, you know. I mean, there's some clues. Uh, but, yeah, you, why, why don't you just pop up some of the stuff? I mean, I'm really amazed uh, and impressed with 
some of your details about uh, percentages of particular malts or particular hops, but yeah, over to you. Um, yeah, some of it's proprietary or we like to try to keep proprietary. I think uh, probably the majority of it is I just don't give that information to. That's understood. Yeah, so trade secret. Uh, and communication breakdown. Yeah, I think it's more of a communication <laughs> breakdown. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure we can get better at that. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just a Melbourne thing, and maybe people in Sydney aren't so keen. But I, I yeah, like, but yeah, for the for the um, sort of the beer, techo. I mean, and but the other supplementary question is: Do you have both have PhDs in brewing from and from which university? Although that is two questions. Neither, uh, neither of us do. Uh, it's just been trial by fire. Yeah. <laughs> PhD in life. <laughs> Thanks. A lot of gray hair. Floor scrubbing. Yeah, PhD in floor scrubbing. <laughs> now, my apologies for that little pause. I didn't know if I was throwing over to Travis there or not. I presume... I'm not, but that's all good, uh, which means that I'm going to throw to question three. Muggs, are you there with us? And would you like to unmute yourself and ask question three, my friend? Yeah. Hi, guys. Um, we sort of touched on that, touched on this slightly, but uh, like, uh, do you have any sort of long-term projects? I know you, you sort of touched on sours and barrels and all that sort of stuff but i mean is that in the works is that is that something you'd consider i mean i know it's a a very um a lot of commitment and um potential <laughs> uh not going not going according to plan but uh like is that something you consider um i think more on the wild ferment side, um, yeah, eventually. I think that's that's kind of a big undertaking. Um, I think the the day we can start paying some bills, like personally, I'd like to brew um, a lot more lager and a lot more imperial stout. Um, yeah, those are those are kind of my dream dream beers to make. Well, actually, a side note to that because. You, you did mention pills and Urkel, and they do do barrel of Pilsner Urkel. Is that something you've ever considered, the, the sort of the barrel of, of Pilsner where you actually, not obviously not a, not a barrel, you know, a new oak barrel or anything, but, you know, the, the, the really traditional Czech style where it's actually served out of the barrel. Have you ever considered that sort of option? Totally. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I... We already have intention at some point this year of brewing a, a Czech style Pilsner. Um, I mean, that, that'd be a dream would be to just get a Czech oak fooder in here yeah. where we could, we could do it the right way. Um, Isn't there, there, there's one in Balmain. I remember going years ago, there was a Czech place. I might not say that, that this is going back 15 the years ago. I'm going to mute you now, Muggs. You've had a very <laughs> fair question there. And um, the, the great thing about the cool room is that after we finish recording, which we're going to do in about a minute and a half, uh, you can stick around and just have a yarn. So I don't mean to put it on you, brother. But just a great example of why it's great to be joining us live on Zoom, not just on the podcast. David, I feel like we're going to wrap things up, but I feel like there's one more question that was floating around in the room from Damien. Uh, Damo, do you want to unmute yourself and ask your question before we wrap things up? Thanks, Travis. Um, yeah, just wondering what the weirdest, dumbest, strangest suggestion to make a beer has been from someone random, not from yourselves, and did it work and, and also did it sell? Um, I, we made a beer once and to be honest, it, it wasn't here at White Bay. Um, it was at Modus and it became our Gab's beer, but it was, a it was a chili beer and we included like six different types of imported chilies and then a whole bunch of habanero. 
Um, and it was like, I love spicy things, but it was like the spiciest thing I've ever consumed. Um, so it worked in the sense that um, it was edible, but nobody liked it. And we had a, it stuck around for like four years <laughs> before we finally got rid of that. Um, when I worked at Fire Alive, I probably shouldn't tell people this, but whatever. But uh, we got a bunch of figs and uh, they smoked them and then put them in a barrel aged porter. And that did not work. They were like, sh the barrels were exploding every second day. And yeah, it just, it didn't taste good. I don't think they ever released it. it we was... got to an explosion story. It took a while. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all, all brewery stories ends in explosions. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are going to wrap things up here today or tonight, guys. Um, can you tell us your social medias? Where can we find you guys? Um, I feel like there's a lot of people in Victoria, apart from the 30-odd people here in the Zoom room that might not know you, you guys exist. So throw out your socials and we'll make sure we put them in the show notes for the podcast. Uh, like <laughs> White Bay Beer Company <laughs> uh, on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> but there is a, there is another one that looks like you on Facebook, which I've discovered. So there's <laughs> another White Bay something out there. Yeah, you're hitting a department we're just not in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is new to us. Um, so the brewery you can find at White Bay Beer on Instagram. I think beer is the thing. If you put in White Bay Brew, you end up with someone else. There you yeah. go. Oh. Amazing. Um, before we wrap up, I feel like there's a few things I've got to get through. We have a heap of stuff coming up in the core room over the next few weeks. Um, obviously, both Melbourne and Sydney are still in a lockdown and will be for some time yet. Who knows yeah, when we'll get out of this. <laughs> yeah. It's... Um, Next week, we have Exit Brewing on, which is the 16th of September, followed by Bright Brewing on the 23rd, and then Westside Aleworks on the 30th. There's still September packs available for those listeners out there that are listening to this in a few days' time. Um, so log on to the Shopify store and you'll be able to find all the details for that. Um, as David mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we've got uh, trivia coming up as well in uh, October, on the 2nd of October, and we have Wine Stefan on the 7th of October. I feel like that's going to be a really big week. Um, remembering what, we ha what happened with Wine Stefan last year, I feel like it's going to be a, that's going to be a big night and a big day. Um, along with that, I don't think the people in New South Wales care about this, but uh, footy finals are on in Victoria and there's – what three teams still in the finals? So we're we're going to open the Zoom room so everyone can uh, can watch uh, for the prelims this weekend, where everyone can get together and have a drink and a carry on and stuff. And then for the grand final, which will be Port Adelaide versus Melbourne, I'm just calling <laughs> that right now. Uh, David mentioned at the top of the show we've got something very special planned for that day. More details of that I'm hoping will come to light pretty soon we are gonna we're gonna kick things off and wrap this all up uh dennis jess thank you very much for joining us it's been an awesome night thanks for having us our pleasure cheers guys and we are done